Welcome to the Revo Podcast. Revo Church is one church in two locations with a vision to spark a revolution of life change through Jesus. We hope to accomplish this through our core values of love big, serve hard, live bold, grow deep, and move forward. For more information about our service times and locations, please visit our website at discoverrevo.com. There was a man that approached me one day after I was preaching, came up to the front row and uh, said uh, that he had something really important to tell me. And uh, so I was interested in that. And um, he said, man, Nathan, I love the, uh, love the music, a really good, really talented band. I was really challenged by the message. And uh, I peeked my head over into the kids' ministry area, and that's a great atmosphere and really impressed by that. felt really welcomed uh, when I came into the door. Uh, but I got something really important. Uh, that I wanted to, to talk with you about. And I was like, okay, so, so what is it? And uh, he looked at me and he says, man, this is just something that's it's a sticking point for me, but um, man, this is, I don't know how to say this, so I'm just going to say this. I, I, think, um, I think the pastor in a church should wear a suit. And so like my reaction was that, like I laughed, I laughed. <laughs> uh, but then I looked up at him and he was not laughing. He was dead serious. This cat was serious, man. He was like, uh, that's just how I grew up. And like, I believe that, that, that church people, like, there's church clothes, right? And, and I don't know if you grew up wearing church clothes, like, shoes that, that hurt and don't fit and, and, like, dress clothes. But, like, that was, some people believe that. There's, like, this guy began to tell me over the next few minutes, and he's not here, okay. <laughs> oh, boy, that would have been weird. Um, he began to tell me, he's like, man, this, is a deal, this may be a deal breaker for me. Like, if you don't wear a suit, man, that, it, you know, my, me and my family may not be able to come to Revo, and and in the, in the most loving, caring, pastoral voice that I could muster, uh, I placed my hand on his shoulder and I was like, man, sir, we are really going to miss you, man. Because <laughs> I am not suiting up, okay? You can suit up. If you wear a suit, like you're welcome to wear whatever you want to at Revo. In fact, if you wear a suit here, I'm probably going to come up to you after the service and tell you how good you look. Because suits look good, man, on you. They look great. I'm glad that, that you wear them. But like, I just don't wear suits. I just don't like suits. I'll wear a suit to a funeral, but that's about it. And uh, so I just, I just don't want to suit up. But I don't know if you grew up like that, but there are some people that believe, like, there are church clothes, right? You wear church clothes. I don't know if you grew up kind of in the, the area that I grew up in, but if you saw somebody on Sunday morning that wasn't wearing a, a suit or wasn't really dressed up, like, you automatically thought, oh, they, they're not going to church today. Sinners, right? They're not wearing that T-shirt to church. Or maybe if you go to a restaurant afterwards and... And everybody's dressed up. Like if you go to a restaurant out to, to lunch afterwards, you just see a bunch of people that are dressed up. You have people that go to Revo, you sinners, right? <laughs> oh, man. You, you look at me, you're like, oh, well, they must not have gone to church today. They're wearing a T-shirt or they're wearing a, 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 a you know, not a, not a suit. Um, is there something we should be wearing? Uh, what, do, what do Christians look like? What, do, what should we be wearing? Because like, I, I need to know that because if we need to go to the mall after this, we can do it. But if there's followers of Jesus, if we're supposed to wear something, if we're supposed to look a certain way, then what is it? And it's interesting because you can actually tell a lot about a person by what they wear. You can actually tell a lot about who a person follows by what they wear. Check, check this picture out right here. Who, who does this person follow? Panthers, right? That's, that's their team. They're pulling, pulling for the Panthers. You can tell by the, the toboggan and the face paint. That's who they follow. You can tell just by looking at them. Check out this picture. Who are these guys following? Oh, man. Star Wars. Ah, yikes. I don't know if you can tell, but those men, those are grown men <laughs> with costumes on. 
I could say so many things, but I won't because I'm a pastor. So you can tell by that. But you just know, like spiritually speaking as well, you can tell a lot about a person who they follow spiritually uh, by what they look like. Who does this guy follow? So he's Buddhist. So that's a, that's a, a Buddhist monk. You can tell by just the clothes that he wears that, that they're following Buddhists. So how about this lady? Who does she follow? So yeah, she's, uh, she's got the hijab on, on top and the niqab across her face. You can just tell those, those, those are ladies that follow the prophet Muhammad. You can just tell by the way they dress and, and the clothes that they're wearing. So do Christians wear certain things? Do Christians look certain ways? Is there something that we should be looking like uh, today? So th- these people claim to be Christians. Check that out. Uh, ever seen those, that crew? They claim to be Baptist. Amen, right? <laughs> Baptist. Great. So they seem to always have those signs, and they wear them a lot and, and take them places, and, and they claim to be Christians. They, they claim to be a part of a church, and uh, may, maybe this is your viewpoint of, of church, right? That's kind of the traditional viewpoint. Family dressed up, wearing nice clothes, coming out of the church together on a Sunday morning. Maybe, maybe you see that, and you're like, yeah, that's, that's what Christians look like. That's, what, that's really what Christians should wear. But what, what should we wear? If you claim to be a follower of Jesus, if you've accepted the invitation from Jesus to come with me, what should you look like? Because if there's something we should be wearing, then I want to know. Like, I don't want to wear the wrong thing, right? Did you know that in Scripture, in the book of Colossians, Paul writes a letter to this church that he planted in Colossians, and he actually tells the church what to wear. In fact, he says, clothe yourself with and he begins to fill in the blanks, tells them what we need to wear. And so if you have your Bible uh, today with you, or if you, if you have your Bible, or if you want to look at this Bible, look at any one of them. We're going to do Colossians chapter 3 together. And, and Scripture tells us, just point blank, clothe yourself this way. Wear these things. So if you're a follower of Jesus, this is what the Apostle Paul says for us to wear. In, in Colossians 3 verse 12, this is what he says, Therefore... As God's chosen people, so he's talking to the church, holy and dearly loved. Here it is, clothe yourselves, put this stuff on every day, with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. The first really interesting thing that we see from the Apostle Paul here is he says, he's talking to the church, he's talking to people that have accepted this invitation from Jesus to come with me. He calls them, listen to this, chosen people. You are a chosen people. And this is just a subtle reminder for us that we need to know this. Like, God chose us. We didn't choose God, right? God is not lost, so if you're looking for him, you don't, you know, he's not lost, so you can stop looking for him. Like, we're not looking for God. God is actually looking for us. And maybe that's why you're here this morning. You're, you're lost, and you didn't even realize that, that God was looking for you and pursuing a relationship with you. And so we're not looking for God. God is looking for us. God's not lost. Scripture says we are lost in our own sin. We didn't choose God. God chose us. We don't look at God and say, God, this is my life. Come with me. Jesus looked at us and said, no, you come with me and then allow your life to be changed. So Paul looks and like, don't don't get it confused. We are the chosen people by God. He pursued us, came after us, desires a relationship with us, and that's why we're called the chosen ones, holy, set apart, loved by God. And then it, and then it comes in with a word, clothe yourself. Put on these things right now. And so when, when he uses that, that language, I don't think it's by accident that Paul clothes yourself, because when you think about clothing, you got to think about this. When you put clothes on, that's what people see, 
right? They don't see your body anymore. They don't see what's underneath your clothes. They don't see your heart. They don't see your mind. They don't see your soul. They don't see your intentions. When you put clothes on, it's actually the only thing that people begin to see. So I think it's really important that Paul, when he lists these things, he says, clothe yourself. He doesn't say, think about these things. He doesn't say, meditate on these things. He doesn't say, memorize these things. He doesn't say, get serious about these things. He says, clothe yourselves with these things. Put these things on because this is what people see. Your clothes are actually what, what, what people see. It's what you should look like. It's what you should put on when you're standing in front of your closet every morning. I'm sure you are just like me. You stand in front of your closet and you think, what am I going to wear today? What am I going to put on? How, what's the weather like? What's the season like? What's new clothes? What's old clothes? What, what am I going to wear? And so he looks at his church and says, spiritually speaking, when you're standing in front of your closet in the morning, I want you to be sure to pick these things out. Clothe yourselves with these things. It's the things that people will see, the things that, that people will be able to observe about your life. Why clothe instead of meditate? Why clothe instead of think about and, and learn and memorize? It's because this is what people are going to see. This is what followers of Jesus should, should clothe themselves with. And so he goes into this list of what we're supposed to, to clothe ourselves with. The first word is this. Put on, when you get up in the morning, go to your closet, put on compassion. Put on compassion. Now the Greek word for compassion is actually two English words smashed together. These, the root words for this is, is the, the first one is this, the womb, a, a woman's womb. Now you guys know that I have two little girls and I love my girls. I would do anything in the world for my girls and they know that, which is getting dangerous. And so, but here's the thing, I will never be able to love my girls like Elizabeth loves our girls. Like, I'll never be able to do it. And if you're a mom in here, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because Elizabeth carried those two girls for nine months. Like even before I met them, before I talked to them, before I knew who they were and what their names were. Like she had a level of connection and intimacy and a relationship that I don't care how long I live, I will never know what that's like. I can love my girls all I know how, but I'll never be able to love them like their mom loves them. And that's the word that Paul uses here, man, this deep connection with people, this intimacy, this, this level of relationship. That's what you're supposed to put on when you follow Jesus. That's what it means to, to clothe yourself when you come with me. There's another part of the word, it's the, the masculine end of compassion, and it, it literally translates into the English word bowels, okay? Like guts, right? I'll love you with all of my guts. We have this phrase where it says, I, I, love, I will love you with all of my heart. That's the way we communicate a deep satisfaction and love. I love you with all of my heart. But in the Greek language, they wouldn't have said, I love you with all my heart. They would look at you and say, I love you with all of my bowels. Large and small intestine, all of them. <laughs> Fellas, when you go home today, try that one on your lady. Girl, I love you so much. When we're not together, my bowels burn <laughs> and hurt, right? Let me know how that goes. That'd be a good one. Idea, and this is, this is another phrase that we like to use as a gut reaction. You ever use that, that phrase like when you have a gut reaction, when you have just like a, a feeling deep down inside of you? I looked up that idea of a gut reaction, and the, the definition was being able to, to know something without having to think about it. 
Like you, you're clear on something without any kind of delay and without even having to think about it. And, and Scripture says, hey, you ought to wear compassion. Why? So that the care and the desire and the relationship that you have with people will be second nature. You'll just know. You won't have to think about it. You won't have to ask yourself, what would Jesus do? You wouldn't have to say, should I love or should I care or how should I treat these people in, in the community in which I live in? No, it's just a it's in the gut, man. It's just like when you see a need, when you see a person, when you see someone going through something, you're like, mm, man, you just feel it right here. Like, I know what I need to do. I know what I need to say. I know what I need to offer. I know how I should respond. That's compassion. The womb with the, the guts, man. Just love you with all my guts. Scripture says, put that on. Let, let, let your word be compassion. Let your life be compassionate without even thinking or reasoning or weighing the pros and cons. That's how you, you treat people. That's how you respond to people. The second word that he uses is compassion and, and also kindness. Put on kindness. If compassion's your shirt, then put on your kindness pants. Okay? This, this is what we clothe ourselves with. And kindness is an interesting word because when we think of kindness, sometimes we can just think of being nice to people, right? So let's just be nice to people. Let's respect People. That's what kindness means, right? But, but actually, there's a difference between kindness and respect. There's a difference between being nice and actually showing kindness to people. And it's this, the idea behind kindness involves going out of your way to show someone that you care. Not just being nice because it's convenient for you. Not just like going from point A to point B and living your life like you always do, but, but if you can respect somebody along the way, then that's fine. It, it actually involves going out of your way to be kind and to care for other people. My wife asked me the other day, she's like, Nathan, can you drop the dry cleaning off on your way to work? And I said, absolutely, because the, the dry cleaner is literally on the same road that I travel to get to the office. And so, like, it's not, like, I wasn't being kind to my wife. Like, doing something on the way just makes sense, right? It's just common sense. That's not kindness. It's not being nice. Now, now I, I, didn't, I didn't show kindness because it was no big deal. Like, it just made sense for me to do that. It was more than just being nice. But, but listen, if you go out of your way to show someone that you care, if you go out of your way to show compassion to people, then that's what kindness is. And Scripture says, hey, Jesus says, man, don't be just kind to people just because they're in your way or they're on the way to, the, to your destination. Hey, why don't you try this? Why don't you put this on? Go out of your way to show kindness to people. Go out of your way to show people that you care. That's, that's what it looks like. That's the clothes that we wear. That's, that's putting on kindness Every day. Humility is this. It's the third one. Humility is, is oftentimes what we think about ourselves and also what we think about others. People that have a problem with humility, they, they elevate themselves above everything else, right? People that are arrogant, they think my life is more important, my time, my money, my calendar, my everything about me is more important than you. And, and, and as, as compassion and kindness are how we treat one another, Humility is actually how we view ourselves. If we have a problem with humility, it's because we have a problem with how we view ourselves. We view ourselves too high. We think too much of ourselves and think too low of God and too low of other people. And so like, the thing about humility is this, man, that's a rare trait. Like, you, don't, you, don't, you don't walk around and see a lot of people like, yeah, you know, they're humble just like everybody else is. It's just common, just humility. Man, you talk about something that would make a difference. If you were to clothe yourself with humility... If you were to 
think less of yourself and think more of other people and think more of God. That's the kind of thing that Scripture says, man, do you view yourself in the right light? That's what humility is. Uh, Gentleness is the fourth one. That's a weird word, especially for a dude, because when I think gentle, I think soft. I think weak. I think, uh, like, who would want to be gentle, right? I don't know if anybody ever is going to look at me and be like, you know what, he's a really gentle guy. I'm like, is that a compliment? Is that good or bad? Why are you calling me gentle? But here's the best way that I can describe it. I was in my kitchen the other day, and I reached on the top shelf of my pantry, and I pulled down a jar of spaghetti and uh, spaghetti sauce, and it slipped out of my hand, and that thing, like, I was mad because I bought it from Sam's, and it was like the 98 ounce, and when it hit my tile floor, that thing shattered, and spaghetti sauce went all over everything in the pantry, and all over the wall, and all over the door, and all over the kitchen table, and all up against the refrigerator, and probably some under the refrigerator, I don't know, I don't know what's underneath there. And here's what happened, with that red spaghetti sauce that splashed everywhere, shattered glass splashed everywhere as well, just went all over the room. And I don't know if you've ever broken a glass, dropped a mirror before, but when you pick up broken glass, you can't just like dig your hand in a bowl and grab a handful of broken glass. No, that, that, it'll cut your hand all up. Here's what I had to do. I had to bend down in my kitchen. I just was like, just two fingers, right? Just, just these two fingers. And every small piece of glass, I was kind of turning my hand and trying to grab it in such a way that it wouldn't like slice my finger open. And it was just one piece. I couldn't just like just scoop all of the broken glass up and throw it away. It would have cut my arms all up. And so gentleness, just with with. A gentle nature, I picked up every small little piece of glass, throwing it away, making sure that I didn't hurt myself. And in that analogy, you got to understand gentleness is not weak. Gentleness is smart, right? Like it would be wrong not to be gentle in that. You're going to hurt yourself. It's not the most productive thing to do is to show gentleness in that, in that area. What if our lives were marked by a sense of, of gentleness? The way that we approached other people, the way that we responded to other people, our attitude and our speech towards other people. What if that is what marked us? What if we put those clothes on? What if we embraced ourselves and enveloped ourselves in a sense of gentleness? Sometimes the gut reaction for us is to look at people and and instead of gentleness say, well, you got what you deserved. (laughs) That's the bed you made, now it's time for you to lay in it. Hey, I tried to warn you, I told you a hundred times not to do it, and you did it anyway, and now you're suffering the consequences. Tough. Figure it out. What, what if we approached it with gentleness? And even though they may have made a mistake, even though they may have done something wrong, even though they may have done something to your spouse or your kids or your coworkers or your boss or anybody that you come into contact with in your community, wherever you live, work, play, eat, shop, and study, what if we approached them with a sense of gentleness? Not just this sweeping motion of do it my way and listen to me, and if you don't, then too bad, but just with a sense of just two fingers, just approaching it with a sense of gentleness. What if that was what what marked us? See, here's the deal with with gentleness. Gentleness is going to force you to care about the relationship with someone more than anything else. More than being right, more than proving your point, more than making someone understand that that you were right and you told them that you were right and they need to admit that you were right. Gentleness is understanding, hey, that the relationship that I'm after, man, the leverage that I want to have is more important than me understanding and, and making sure that you know that I was right. What if we approach life like that? What if that's what we put on? Even if it was their fault, 
Even if they've done it a thousand times. Even if they won't listen to you. Even if you're just like, you're just done with it. You've tried so many times to help them in this category. What if we responded with a sense of gentleness instead of wanting to be right or wanting to make a point? That's what we should clothe ourselves in. The, the final one that he says is this, patience, right? Heard a great definition of patience. Nobody likes to be patient. We don't want to be patient. I don't like to be patient. But I heard this interesting definition of patience. It was slowing down to move at someone else's pace. Isn't that what impatience is? People around you aren't moving at your pace. Think about the last time you were in your car, right? You're driving down the interstate. God bless them, whatever that person is that's in the left lane that is not driving the speed limit. They're not moving at your pace, and so you get impatient. Why aren't you going as fast as I am? That can happen in our relationships. That can happen in our marriage. That can happen with our kids. That can happen with your job. That can happen with your coworkers. But what if we put on patience and decided to slow our pace to accommodate the pace of others? And like, Can I just share something with you? That's probably one of the most un-American things I could say. Like, if you can't keep up with me, then I'll leave you. Sorry. Like, I'm going places. I'm doing things. I'm moving forward. I'm climbing the ladder. Like, keep up or get off the bus because I'm gone. That's the kind of American mentality and attitude that we have. But can I just make an observation for you? Did you know that you are the man and woman that you are today because someone along your life slowed their pace to walk at your pace? Someone in your relationship, someone in your home, someone at your work decided to be patient with you and slow their pace to help you keep up. And that is the reason why you are here today. That is the reason why you are who you are today. Because someone decided to be patient with you. Think about the impact that we could have if we were willing to slow our pace to someone else's pace to help them get along. Patience. Be willing to sacrifice that for others. Put those things on. That's what scripture says. Verse 13 reads like this. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you have a, have a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. This idea of bear with one another, that, that simply means this. Be willing to overlook people's faults. Be willing to overlook people's shortcomings. Be willing to overlook people's mistakes. That's what it means to, to bear with somebody. Your, your boss, your family, your spouse, your kids, your employees, your church, your leadership. Be willing to bear with each other's faults. Be willing to bear with that immaturity. Be willing to bear with that mistake, that flaw in some people's lives. And I'll tell you why bearing with people's flaws and mistakes is so difficult. Because we view, I heard this great example, we view other people's flaws and mistakes and it's so hard for us to bear with them because we view people like a caricature. You ever seen one of those before? You ever seen a guy that like you can sit down on a stool and he'll draw you out right quick in like five minutes or less and he's drawn a portrait. It's like a funny, you got a huge head and a little body. And here's what they do. They'll, they'll sit down and, and here's, here's the fun of it. Whatever your, like a smallest thing about your face or about your body or about your hair, they will blow it way out of proportion, right? So if you've got kind of like big hair, like 80s hair, when you get that picture, it's going to look huge. If you've got just slightly, slightly larger ears than the average person, 
then when you get that picture back, you're going to have huge ears. And I don't know what it is, whether it's you got a toothy smile or a big mouth or a big nose or a big head or big hair or ears. Like I don't know what it is, but when they draw this picture, they're going to blow that way out of proportion. Isn't that what we do with the flaws of others? Don't we do that? Don't we look at people's flaws and be like, dude, you got big ears, man. Those things are huge. My ears, perfect size. Yours, ugh, man. And here's what we do. We just blow it out of proportion. It becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. And instead of bearing with one another, we talk about how big their ears are. And it's like, man, have you seen their flaws? Now, we have cool words for our flaws. We we don't call them flaws. We call them different things. You have flaws. I don't have flaws. Like, um, you are rude. I tell it like it is. Like, we're, <laughs> you see the difference between those, those two things? Um, you're impatient. I've, I've got places to go, and I'm in a hurry. I, I don't struggle with that, but you do. That, that's flaws of yours. And, and, and isn't that how we treat others sometimes? Isn't that how we look? But Scripture says, bear with each other's flaws. Don't highlight them. Don't blow them out of proportion. Don't, don't tell somebody their, their, their flawed ears look bigger than they really do. But oftentimes we downplay our flaws and, and say, well, these are not really that bad, but we see the flaws and the shortcomings of others and we, we blow them out of proportion. But, but Paul here says, bear with one another. Put up with other people's flaws and their mistakes and their differences in their immaturity. And so how, how do we do that? Paul tells us, here's, here's what you do in response to somebody's flaws, somebody that's done you wrong, somebody that treated you poorly. What do you do to them? Well, you, you forgive them, right? But that's not a big deal, man. Like I know people that don't even believe in God that forgive people. Right, my mom growing up, anytime I would slap my brother, like she would make me, she would force me to say, Nathan, say you're sorry. Say you're sorry. And I didn't mean it. I was like, sorry. Why are you saying that? Because my mom told me to. Like, forgiveness, you, you might have grown up like that before. People don't have to go to church to know what forgiveness is and to practice forgiveness. That's not an exclusively Christian or Jesus thing to do. And so, like, so what's the big deal, Paul? You said forgive. Here's what I want you to see it's how you forgive. That, that Paul highlights here. He says, forgive. How should you respond to people's flaws? You should forgive them. Okay, easy, cool. I've been doing that my whole life. No, no, no. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Now, how did Jesus forgive you with no strings attached? How did Jesus forgive you? He offered you forgiveness even though you didn't deserve it, even though you didn't earn it. He gave you forgiveness even though you turned away from it. He gave you forgiveness even though the, for, the thing that he forgave you for, you've done a thousand times again. Paul says, don't just forgive. Everybody does that. Why don't you forgive like Jesus? What if we forgave? And not just regular forgiveness, but what if we forgave with no strings attached? What if we forgave even before they asked for it? What if we forgave even when it was their fault? What if we forgave even though we knew they would do it to us again? What if we forgave even though we've forgiven them for the exact same thing over and over and over and over again? That's what Paul says you should clothe yourself. Forgive like that. Forgive not, not just basic forgiveness. Forgive just like the Lord has forgiven you. Even when you know they'll reject it sometimes. Even when you know they don't deserve it. Even when it was not your fault and you shouldn't be the one that has to initiate it, they should say they're sorry first. Why don't you forgive like Jesus? 
Put that on as a follower of Jesus. Last thing on verse 14. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. This, this language is still with the clothes. It's like the overcoat. Overall, you got, you got your kindness, you got your compassion and your humility and your patience and your gentleness. But overall that, put on love. Because let's be honest, you'll never be able to accomplish those things without love. If you don't love people, there'll be no compassion. If you don't love people, there'll be no kindness. You'll be kind to you. With, without love, there is no patience. There's no gentleness that we offer to others. You simply can't do it without love. Jesus knew this. In John 13, verse 34 and 35, Jesus was speaking to his disciples, and he makes a big announcement. He says, A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Can I just shoot you straight? Everything I've said today is not the norm. It's hard. Like, it's hard to be compassionate towards other people. It's hard to show gentleness. It's hard to be patient. It's going to be hard in your life to forgive one another. And so this, this idea, I love the language that Jesus used here. He says, a new command I give you, love one another. And I can imagine Peter, he stood up and be like, uh, actually, that's not a new one, that's an old one. Because you told us a while back the two greatest commands were love God and love people. So, <laughs> praise God, this is not new material because I failed the last test that you gave. So, review here, Jesus, you're wrong. You said love one another and you've already told us that. But Jesus said, whoa, no, listen, listen, listen. Love one another, you ready? Like I loved you. Not just love one another. Don't one another one another like you one another. One another one another like I one another them. I love them. Wait, even though they didn't deserve it? Yep. Even though you knew they would reject it? Yep. Boy, you issued the invitation to come and follow me even though you knew people would take advantage of you? Yep, love them. Love them. And I'm telling you, you love them like, like I loved you. I'll, I'll be the first to say it's not going to be natural. It's going to be hard. We're not doing it every day, man. If you're the type of person that naturally gives compassion and gentleness and humility and, and kindness and patience, like come and see me after the service. I want to be your friend. Like I want all those things done to me. But it's not. It's not what we normally do. It's not how we respond. It's not how we love. And that's why Jesus said, a new command I give you. Love one another as I've loved you. That's why Paul said, forgive one another. But not just forgive one another. Forgive one another just as the Lord has forgiven you. All of the disciples will be known by this, Jesus said. People will be able to see and know who you are based upon your ability to love other people like I loved you. See, some people believe, much like that guy that, that thought that you wore a suit to church every day, and that's what you had to do. A lot of people think that there are certain things that Christians should wear, certain things that Christians should do. And you even saw the, the picture earlier with the posters that people were holding up. And, and I, I just want to say something about that. You know, you know, that's what they're doing here is ultimately trying to make a point. You know that, right? Like, it doesn't have anything to do with the relationship. It doesn't have anything to do with Jesus. I just want to make a point. Maybe you're here today and you're disenfranchised with church. You haven't been to church in a long time or, or this is the first time in a long time that you've been. Or maybe you grew up in church but you were, you were turned off by it. Because, and here, here's the reason why I think it, it may have happened to you. Uh, you may have run into a half-dressed Christian. 
possibly even an undressed Christian. And you, you saw something that shouldn't have been. You heard something or you saw a characteristic of someone that claimed to follow Jesus, but they weren't wearing the clothes that God called us to clothe ourselves with. And you said, if that's what a Christian looks like, I'm done. Maybe you had a guy come up to you and said, if you don't wear the right things, you can't come to this church. Maybe they told you, believe first, then you can belong. Maybe they said, hey, if you'll behave, then you can join our team. Behave, and then I will issue you an invitation to come with me. But that is not the invitation that that Jesus gave. Jesus looked at everyone and said, come with me, and then your life will change. Come with me regardless of how you are, just as you are. Just, Just come with me and see what I can do. Here's the big thing. Jesus was not here to make a point. Jesus was here to make a difference. See that? If you want to make a point, listen, Jesus could have came to earth, preached a 15-minute sermon, and made a point. Guys that want to make a point don't die on the cross. Guys that want to make a point don't live the life that Jesus lived and die the life that Jesus, the death that Jesus died. They don't do that to make a point. They do that to make a difference. So you can choose now, man. If you just want to make a point, you don't need to worry about what you wear. You don't have to worry about Jesus. You don't have to worry about church. Just tell people what you believe and, and make your point and be done with it. But here's the deal. If you want to be like Jesus and make a difference, you're going to have to clothe yourself with certain things. You're going to have to put on compassion, humility. You're going to have to, to put on kindness and gentleness and, and patience. And we're going to have to be willing to, to look at people if we want to make a difference. And, and, and making a difference is what happens when you choose to accept the invitation to follow Jesus, when you make the determination that you're ready to make a difference, then you'll be able to embrace this new command. God says, don't just love one another. Love as I loved you. Don't just forgive one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And you'll realize that come with me involves compassion and gentleness and humility and patience and kindness. A new command I give unto you. You want to know why it's new? Because it's not natural. You may have never done it before. But when you experience Jesus and understand who he is and say yes to the invitation to come with me, a new command I give you, love one another just as I have loved you. And by this, they will be able to see what you look like and know that you follow me.